Informing America's farmers and ranchers, it's Adams on Agriculture, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Here we are at midweek. Thanks for joining us. I tell you, the the Cardinals being on the West Coast starting to take a toll on me, these late-night games. Fortunately, they're winning. That uh, makes it a little easier to take, but I'll be glad when they... Uh, uh, when they get off the West Coast, I get a little more sleep. Well, here's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk with University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. We'll talk about crop tours and projections, and we'll talk about some of the ag issues of the day, including what's going on with the RFS. Dan Hallstrom, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, will join us to talk about uh, their efforts to keep that good market in Mexico for U.S. meat products, even with the tensions that are going on and the tariffs that are going on. Speaking of Mexico, we may be very close to at least a handshake deal on a NAFTA agreement with Mexico. We'll be talking about that in a moment. Meanwhile, ag groups continue to work on repealing the old WOTUS rule. Scott Yeager, Chief Environmental Counsel for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, will join us to talk about that a little bit later on. But first, let's kick things off with Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, thank you for joining us. Yeah, it sounds like a a handshake deal, if you will, could be uh, on the uh, docket for this week with Mexico. Yes, that's what what Politico is reporting. Uh, They're saying that uh, the Trump administration is going to make an announcement on Thursday and also that that announcement will allow Canada to come back to the negotiations. But we don't have any schedule yet on the, on the Canadians uh, actually sitting down at the table with the Americans and the Mexicans. And we really don't have details, do we, on what could be in this uh, deal with Mexico? No, no, uh, we, don't, we don't know that. As far as I know, there won't be anything on agriculture. The one thing with Mexico uh, was the, the issue of surges of imports of tomatoes, uh, uh, at a certain time of the year that the southeastern growers, particularly the Floridians, were complaining about. Uh, but the United Fresh Produce Association really didn't want them to do anything about that. And since they're the national spokesman for the industry, I don't think the Trump administration has moved forward with anything on that. I mentioned this the other day, but it would be a victory in a lot of these trade issues just to get back to where we were before all the tariffs and uh, uh, retaliation started. Indeed, indeed, it would, and I think it would relieve farmers' fears that they're going to lose uh, lose the markets in Mexico and and Canada, which are some of the biggest for American uh, agriculture. Yeah, we'll talk more about Mexico with Dan Hallstrom with the U.S. Meat Export Federation a little bit later on. Well, also, uh, Jerry, we're getting closer to the next big step, I guess, on the farm bill right after Labor Day. Uh, yes, um, th- there was a report yesterday that Senator Roberts. The, cha- who, uh, the chairman of the Senate Ag Committee, who is also the chairman of the conference, has announced that the conferees will meet on the 5th of September. And that is only one day after the House and the Senate come back uh, from their uh, re- recess. Or, you know, the, the House has been out all month. The Senate is certainly likely to go out for a period of time over Labor Day. Uh, now, the nature of that meeting has not been announced, but if it is public, a House aide told me that it's going to consist mostly of speeches. And when you consider that there are 47 House conferees, that's going to be a lot of speeches. 
uh, I think they're going to end up being able to defend whatever position it was that they took in the uh, in the farm bill, whether it failed or or succeeded, or whatever. Uh, but it will be a real opportunity for speeches uh, prior to the elections in November. Well, we know members of Congress like to uh, give speeches, so it'll be interesting. I mean, uh, can they get it done by September 30th? What are you hearing? I'm hearing, you know, maybe that there is a push. The, the, the biggest factor in the push is the fact that Senator McConnell, want, the majority leader who is from Kentucky, wants the bill so badly because he wants his uh, hemp provisions. Uh, he wants uh, hemp to be legalized for growing, and uh, that means removing it from the list of, of uh, Class one drugs. Uh, so that's a big push. Uh, but on the other hand, I find it just so difficult to see how the, the House conservatives or the senators can reach a compromise position on SNAP, the Supplemental Nutrition Program, better known as food stamps. Uh, they're so divided on that, on that issue. So I still wouldn't be surprised if it goes until after the uh, uh, election. Uh, Senator Grassley said, from Iowa said the other day, it doesn't matter that much if it's done by September 30th. He said the sky won't fall. But the important thing is to get it done before the end of the calendar year. Meanwhile, there are reports that we could know by the end of this week some details on the ag aid package, the $12 billion package. Yes, I'm looking forward to that. Now, I haven't gotten any notice from the Agriculture Department about a press conference, uh, but usually they don't let people know, uh, in, uh, you know with, less than, with more than one day's notice. Uh, the Wall Street Journal reported that USDA told the journal uh, that the announcement would be made by August 24th, which is Friday. So we'll, uh, we'll see uh, what they put out and, and to what degree there are details that, that will allow anyone to know how much money they're going to get. Also, Jerry, uh, this probably doesn't impact a lot of people, I guess, outside of Washington, D.C., but there's a lot of uh, reshuffling and restructuring at USDA, moving people around and, and moving some people out of Washington, D.C., some government employees. How's that playing in the, our nation's capital? Well, the proposal is to move the Economics Research Service, uh, first of all, to put it under the control of the Office of the Chief Economist, uh, which is under the control of the Secretary, and then to move the Economics Research Service out of Washington and also the National Institute for Food and Agriculture, which makes the grants to the land-grant schools and other institutions for agricultural research. I have not seen a single positive st uh, statement in Washington about this, and I've seen lots of negatives. The concern is that you will lose a lot of the staff that is there because they have settled in Washington, they have houses here, their families are here, they're not going to want to make this move. Uh, and there is a theory that there are people that the Trump administration wants to get rid of because they don't like some of the conclusions that they reach. And so there, I think there's going to be a lot of opposition to, uh, to this idea. There already is. Uh, and we haven't seen anybody really speak up for it except one professor in Georgia. All right. Well, Jerry, I think you're going to take some vacation time. Have a good trip, and we'll talk to you when you get back, okay? Thank you. It's always nice to be with you and your listeners. All right. Take care. Jerry Hagstrom with 
the Hagstrom report. So, yeah, this week we could get uh, something on the U.S.-Mexico-NAFTA deal, maybe a, what they're calling a handshake agreement, if nothing else. We may get those details or start to see some details on the ag aid package, so some things to watch still this week. We'll talk about some of those things as well as uh, what's going on with the RFS and uh, some thoughts on crop tours and things that are going on this time of year with University of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. That's coming up next. Then later we'll talk uh, meat exports to Mexico with Dan Hallstrom with the U.S. Meat Export Federation and we'll wrap things up today talking about efforts to repeal the waters of the U.S. rules kind of come back again for several states uh, with a recent court ruling. We'll talk with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association about that. All still to come on AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Stay with us. The fertilizer's really good over here. Ooh, better get it before that corn does, water hemp. Hey, corn, want some phosphorus? Oops, I ate it all. <laughs> if weeds are laughing at your corn herbicide, try Acuron. It silences the toughest weeds you'll come up against. Hey, corn, sorry if I got out of line. Unlike you. Get the last laugh. Talk to your Syngenta reseller about Acuron. Hey, water hemp, you're looking kind of... Yellow? Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. A lot can happen in six seconds. A rodeo ride, a dramatic basketball win, and the world record holder can solve a Rubik's Cube. Six seconds is how long it takes for an 18-wheeler traveling at a safe speed to come to a complete stop. And in those six seconds, that truck will travel the length of two football fields. So please, give them room. Never cut in front of a large truck for any reason. Our roads, our safety. Learn more at sharetheroadsafely.gov. Did you ever look at the stains in your coffee cup and then realize that's exactly what happens to your teeth? Paraswabs is the five-minute solution to get your teeth white without visiting the dentist. This is John Greenhut, the CEO of Paraswabs. And if your teeth are stained from coffee, tea, or smoking, all it takes is five minutes with Paraswabs. In five minutes, you'll see an average of two shades whiter teeth, and in seven days, six shades. It's clinically proven to whiten natural teeth as well as caps and veneers. The secret is a tooth detergent that was developed by Dr. Martin Ginniger that lifts stains off of your teeth. Best of all, there's no messy strips or trays that you have to leave in your mouth for an hour. Just swab your teeth for five minutes and you're done. To try Power Swabs risk-free, call 866-504-0276. That's 866-504-0276. I guarantee your bright white smile will have your friends talking about how great you look. Try it risk-free today. 866-504-0276. 866-504-0276. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. 
For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your planned purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811 brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, welcome back. Uh, Kind of ironic, we just heard a message about uh, don't dig until you call and find out where all the lines are. I'm wondering if someone did that around me because I am sitting in darkness as a the power has gone out for me here in uh, Jacksonville, Illinois, um, very close to where our next guest is, Scott Irwin, University of Illinois Ag Economist. Scott, I hope you have power where you're at. I'm good. <laughs> I think somebody was digging and hit the wrong line, maybe. I know. It was a, so I'm sitting here in the dark, but it, some would say I'm in the dark most of the time. So that's no problem <laughs> at all. Well, we'll see if good we can you light for you. Hey, hey, this is the time of crop tours and crop projections going on. I know you have some thoughts about that. Well, sure. Um, You know, no one likes to uh, get out in the fields and see things firsthand more than me, and there's definite value to doing that. Uh, But I just always caution people that we have to remember that the sample sizes and the amount of data that we gather from these kinds of crop tours is still really small and not comparable to the size of the samples and the accuracy that we get from the USDA. And so my advice is go out there, have fun, listen, but uh, don't be swayed too much by the pictures or the the numbers that you hear. Meanwhile, Scott, uh, we're starting to get a little information. And 
on what this aid package might uh, amount to, and there are some reports out there saying it could be a dollar sixty-five a bushel for soybeans. What are you hearing? That's the report that I've read this morning, and it's apparently not finalized. The report indicates that that's what's been sent to the OMB, um, and it's in the range of the rumors I had been hearing for the last few weeks. So um, it makes sense uh, from from that standpoint. It's the first time I'd heard a number for corn. Uh, that report that I saw said uh, just a penny per bushel for corn. Yeah, so it looks like it's heavily weighed towards soybeans. It's going to be interesting how that plays out, and especially, and I know I've talked about this before, but the concerns if you're in a state like Missouri where their yields are way down. Right. You know, uh, think of the differences in the perspective on this if you're a farmer in north-central Missouri versus central Illinois, where there'll be a lot of farms, I believe, uh, with whole farm averages of at least 70 bushels an acre for soybeans in this central Illinois band. And, you know, who knows, in northern Missouri, it could easily be, you know, in the 30s or maybe even 40s. Which, all of this was kind of predictable. I mean, we talked about this when the first mention of an aid package came out. There, You must know, no matter how it was going to play out, there would be uh, uh, questions and concerns and criticisms of how whatever formula they lay out, and I'm sure there will be plenty of that this time. Yes. I mean, there's obviously going to be some disparities, but it is important to remember we don't know all the details, and they really obviously matter. We're all familiar with, um, you know, the intricacies of farm program payments, so you really have to get the details first. In particular, you know, is it going to be paid on actual bushels? Is it going to be program bushels? Those kinds of um, details, of course, really matter. I mean, I've not heard anything that would indicate it's anything other than a one-time program on your actual bushels produced, but we have to wait and get all the details, Mike. Yep, and maybe we'll have those by the end of the week or, or sometime soon, it sounds like. All right, we're talking with the University it, of Illinois ag economist Scott Irwin. Uh, Scott, meanwhile, it sounds like also this week there may be a some sort of announcement on a deal with Mexico. I would think, uh, without knowing details, just any type of uh, positive trade news uh, would, uh, you know, really uh, be a boost for the markets. Right. I don't know at this point how much of that is uh, already baked into our corn futures prices. Um, I, I don't believe fully because if there's one topic, and you guys, you and I have talked about it uh, all summer, is trade. Anything can happen between now and signing. So if they actually do get that uh, across the finish line, uh, that is a major positive sign and really important to the corn market. And we've seen the psychological impact of all this on the markets and just – even the rumor or the the news that uh, there might be any kind of talks, say, you know, with China, just rumors of talks get, gets the markets excited. So, I mean, everyone kind of starved for some positive trade news. Right. So we'll see if, if indeed that deal with Mexico might, might uh, at least more idea of what it might be, what they're calling perhaps a handshake 
uh, deal done this week. We will see. Meanwhile, Scott, uh, the comment period ended on uh, you know getting your comments in for the RVO levels for the 2019 RFS, and the renewable fuels industry made it uh, made their feelings known loud and clear. What are you expecting from EPA? More of the same. I I will be very surprised if anything if there's any big changes between the preliminary rulemaking and the final as um, you know that that's what we know based on uh, the interim administrator Wheeler's announcements um, you know this is a highly political process so I suppose politics could political pressure could end up moving it um, in one direction but again I I think this will be a, a matter that will end up being decided in the courts. Yeah, the way I've been describing it, we may the renewable fuels industry may like uh, Wheeler's methods better than Scott Pruitt's, but they may not like the message anymore. I I think that that's that's well put. Uh, I I haven't seen anything that so far indicates um, he's going to be you know, a major change in policy. I suspect that there'll be more transparency and maybe um, a move back to a more rigorous process for uh, approving small refinery exemptions. That's just a guess on my part under Wheeler. Um, I'm still quite suspicious about the process that was used to grant all of these all of a sudden for 16, 17, and 18. Uh, that's going to be working its way through the courts as well. All right, Scott, good to talk with you. I've, I've got to find a candle here to see my way through the rest of the show. Thanks, thanks for your time. I appreciate it. All right. Well, you better turn your uh, flashlight on on your iPhone. Yep, I will do. Thanks a lot. <laughs> good talk to you. Okay, Scott Irwin, University of Illinois Ag Economist. Yeah, again, uh, uh, my power is out here in uh, Jacksonville, Illinois, so um, working in the dark here. But uh, that's that's fine. We can we can do that. Dan Hallstrom is up next. Dan is the uh, president and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. As we wait for any word on a deal with Mexico, uh, the U.S. Meat Export uh, Federation is busy trying to keep that market open for U.S. meat products and uh, assuring the, the Mexicans that uh, we are a reliable supplier. We'll get the very latest on that coming up next on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of a trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. We're excited to explore the topics that make a difference to agriculture. The Farm Bill, immigration reform, reducing regulations, trade, new technology, as well as infrastructure and health care. 
Through the year, Adams on Agriculture will originate on location from several major national meetings and events. Subscribe to the show's podcast at AmericanAgNetwork.com. Thanks for listening to Adams on Agriculture from the American Ag Network. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. And today I am broadcasting from Mitchell, South Dakota, where Dakota Fest is underway. On today's agenda, a gubernatorial candidate forum this morning in the Dakota Fest Education Building and also a U.S. House candidate forum later on this afternoon. In the grain and oil seed sector, on this Wednesday trading session, another defensive tone to the markets. In Chicago wheat, we are trending five to six cents lower. Kansas City wheat trending some three, three and a fraction lower in Minneapolis spring wheat. Soybean futures defensive on this Wednesday. New crop November hovering around 8.75 a bushel, down 11 cents. New crop December corn down three and a half at 3.70 and three quarters of a cent. For livestock to the Merck and live cattle futures on this Wednesday, we're trending a dollar 50 to a dollar 67 lower. The waiting game continues for cash cattle activity in the central and southern plains. Dress sales last week were weaker in Nebraska. In feeder cattle futures, we're a dollar eighty-seven. To feeders down a buck eighty-seven at one forty-nine twelve. Lean hog futures, October down two dollars sixty cents at fifty-three sixty-five. December down two and a half dollars at fifty-one forty. Outside markets on Wall Street for a Wednesday. The Dow is down 25. Nasdaq down seven. The S&P 500 is down four points. And once again, we're broadcasting from Mitchell, South Dakota, where Dakota Fest is underway. And again, on the agenda for today, a gubernatorial candidate and also a House candidate forum on tap. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture, presented by the American Ag Network. I'm Rusty Halverson. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your plan purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast to coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, welcome back. Um, still working somewhat from the dark, uh, but uh, you know now it's a transformer of the blue. It's about the third time this year that has happened, so I guess I'll be getting used to it. But um, got a little light here for the subject, so uh, hopefully all will, will work out as we talk things over with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Dan, thanks for joining us on Adams on Agriculture. Hey, my pleasure. Good morning, Mike. 
Hey, Mexico in the news, there's talk about some kind of maybe handshake type of uh, deal announced uh, this week, uh, kind of, uh, uh, you know, in the NAFTA negotiations, uh, could be a step forward. Are you hearing any details on that yet? Well, we're, we're uh, hearing similar talk uh, that there's optimism around a, uh, around a new deal of some sort, and uh, uh, we were hearing the same thing when we were down in Mexico a couple of weeks ago. So, uh, yeah, we're, uh, we're excited and optimistic uh, that there might be something impending here in the short term. Tell us what you've been doing, uh, you, the U.S. Meat Export Federation, to, to try to assure uh, Mexican buyers of our meat products through this time of uh, tariffs and retaliation uh, to assure them that we're still a reliable meat supplier. Yeah, Mike, that's a good good point. Yeah, we we um, our, our largest market uh, volume wise for Mex uh, for pork is Mexico and has been for years, and uh, and it's one of, one of our top two markets on beef and. Uh, as everyone knows, we've got a, currently a 20% duty on, on pork uh, primal cuts into Mexico as a result of the U.S. steel and aluminum tariffs that were put on to uh, Mexico and Canada uh, several months ago. Uh, so what we did is we, we spent uh, a couple weeks ago, we spent a week down in Mexico. We were in Chihuahua, Mexico City, and Monterey. And uh, what we were doing, we, we hosted two luncheons for basically for the meat trade, for the retailers, the importers, the distributors, the food service uh, uh, companies uh, down there, the major players. I would say the pretty much the top 20 importers and users of U.S. pork uh, were represented in those two meetings, those two luncheons. And really, we had two messages for them. Number one, they're our largest market on imported for exported pork from the U.S. We want them to know that we're a reliable, dependable supplier, and, and we want them to know the importance of their market to our products, especially pork products in the U.S. So that was issue number one. Issue number two was, uh, given these duties and all the turmoil around the talk on NAFTA, et cetera, we wanted to relay them that we, we think that situation is short-term, and the way it would be short-term is what you just alluded to earlier the impending hope that we get a NAFTA 2.0 uh, confirmed uh, in relatively short order uh, with the obvious goal of removing those duties long term. What impact have the, the tariffs and the duties had so far on our sales to Mexico? Well, it's hard to say because we don't have official data for July or August yet, obviously. But that being said, we have anecdotal information. Uh, anytime you have a duty, uh, it's not a good situation. I mean, it's a, uh, it's a value proposition, and, and if you put a 20% duty on, um, you can expect to see your value on a per-pound basis uh, impacted. And uh, we're guessing that will be the case. Um, I think on the volume side, um, you know, I think the business, the, the dynamics are such uh, that, that – for the most part, they do want our products, they need our products, and I think we'll probably see a downturn, slight downturn on volume, but nothing overly dramatic. Uh, that being said, we're very concerned, I'm personally very concerned, that we're opening up um, our market where we have an 85% plus market share of imported pork. We run a risk of opening up to some of our competitors some of that share. Uh, I, you know, specifically places like Canada, Chile, and even Europe on a frozen basis. So uh, 
we have to be very cognizant that just because we have 85% market share of imports doesn't mean we're going to just keep it by default. We have to fight to, to keep that market share, and that's what we're focused on. Are you seeing any signs that those competitors are making a move into Mexico to cut into our market share? We're seeing signs. Um, I would say that the, um, the business is still, uh, you know, maybe a couple of percentage points uh, in the case of Canada uh, and, and, you know, a little bit on, on Europe as well. Um, I do think that the economic uh, advantages of dealing with the U.S. are enormous. Um, so we do have a, a built-in advantage in that regard. But like I said, we can't take it for granted. And, and the sooner we can get uh, these duties removed and get back to an even playing field, the better for all of us. And if and when that happens, and hopefully very soon, Dan, are you confident that we can then uh, maintain that market share that we've enjoyed there? I think long-term, if we're on an even playing field, uh, whether it's U.S. pork or U.S. beef for that matter, I think we're very competitive if we're on an even playing field. And, and, and the, the outside competition, you know, does not worry me long-term. We can compete. Um, it's just the situation we're in right now, we're not on an even playing field, and that, that's very concerning. We're talking with Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation, so we wait word for a possible NAFTA announcement on Mexico perhaps this week. Meanwhile, uh, as we look around at some of the other markets around the world, Dan, are we seeing an impact of some of these trade tensions? Well, I think, um, once again, on pork, the other market that's uh, been, been uh, impacted probably more significantly than Mexico is, is China. Uh, we, we have a cumulative duty uh, you know, in the neighborhood of 62% uh, on pork there, including variety meats. And I think pork variety meats are where we've seen the most impact. Uh, you know, some of the lower value variety meats uh, are not even going there now. Um, the higher value are still going there, but, but once again, anytime you have a duty, the impact on value, they're going at lower prices. So this is concerning. Um, uh, the one thing I will add, though, on China is it's not all about just the duties. Uh, they do have a their their, their um, situation on their uh, cycle for pork production. They have some of their highest production in six or seven years, uh, the way their cycle is. So they have ample domestic pork supply there, which is compounding the issue as well. So between that and the duties, it's making business uh, volatile in China. Uh, outside of China, though, uh, the business remains pretty strong. Places like Korea, places like uh, Japan, uh, Mexico that we talked about already, uh, Central and South America, the dynamics there on the pork side especially, and beef for that matter in Asia, uh, but on the pork side where the duties are impacting us in certain parts of the world, the, den the demand dynamics are very, very good in other parts of the world. So that's the reason to diversify our markets and spread as much pork around the world as we can. You mentioned domestic supplies of pork in China, but we are hearing about some uh, disease issues there. What's the latest on that? Well, it's a very fluid situation. Uh, you know, African swine fever, we've had three confirmed cases in three different regions in China. And uh, it's concerning because of the, you know, the volatile nature of that pathogen and, and you know, the... Uh, the contagious nature of that pathogen. So we're watching it very closely. I think it's too early to, to speculate on any possible impact, but uh, you know something we're wa watching very closely because it, it would have the potential to uh, 
to impact the market significantly if it were to, to spread uh, dramatically. Dan, I would think in, in times of trade tensions like we're going through now with a lot of these key markets, not that you ever want to go through that. Obviously, we don't. But it shows the uh, the benefit of all the market development work and the relationships that you have been able to build over a period of time. Uh, that helps somewhat soften the blow or, or hopefully create some patience with a market like Mexico, buyers there that it'll be worked out and, and uh, they can they can rely on us. I mean, it may test those uh, relationships and that work that's been done, but at least you have that foundation. Mike, you bring up a great point, and it's it's not just USMEF. You know, that's of course what we do every day. But we're working very closely with our with our packers, with our exporters, the trade, and then the trade in the countries. And you're exactly right. In the case of NAFTA, where we've been doing business for 25 plus years. We've developed relationships as an industry, and uh, those ties are very strong. And uh, I think we heard that when we were down there two weeks ago, uh, and we saw that with some of these big players that, you know, that they're not happy about the situation. Nobody would be, but uh, on the other hand, uh, you know, they understand that uh, sometimes these things happen, and and, and it does uh, create a little bit more patience than you otherwise would have. So yeah, you bring up a great point. Now you mentioned we have a. Uh certainly an advantage being so close to Mexico. That that really plays in our favor. Um, how how much so, Dan, does that overcome another country having to ship uh, a further distance? Well, it, it's an advantage. And uh, I, I would say that North America, you know, Canada, Mexico, and, and the U.S., which was the original intent of NAFTA, from an agricultural standpoint, especially when you're talking about beef and pork and lamb, um, it's a natural synergy. Uh, we're able to ship products chilled for the most part. Uh, some go frozen, but the majority go chilled, so it's easier to use. These, these are definitely built-in advantages. But, but never rest on our laurels because, you know, if, if a, company, a country or companies within a country are forced to do something differently, they'll adapt. And if they have to adapt to use frozen products from Europe, they'll do it. I mean, uh, you know, business dynamics will force that change. So. You know, uh, this is the reason we have to get back to doing business as normal on a level playing field. And in, in, in that case, if we're able to compete on a level basis, uh, I'm very confident that uh, our industry will, will do very well in that uh, in that situation. Well, hopefully we'll get some good trade news yet this week uh, with Mexico. Dan, thanks for the update. Always good to talk with you. Thank you, Mike. My pleasure. Take care. Dan Hallstrom, President and CEO of the U.S. Meat Export Federation. Coming up on our final segment, we're going to talk about waters of the U.S. That recent court ruling puts the old rule back in play for 26 states again. And uh, we're going to talk about efforts to get that old rule repealed and where are we at with the new rule. We'll talk with the National Cattlemen's Beef Association next on Adams on Agriculture. We paid less for our Craftmatic today than we did 20 years ago. 
If you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep, call now for prices and free information on today's Craftmatic adjustable beds. And then decide when you see how little they cost. Rated number one by consumers nationwide on ConsumerAffairs.com. Craftmatic beds come in all mattress types, including cool gel memory foam for up to 50% less than today's leading memory foam brand. Enjoy temporary relief of low back pain, poor circulation, nighttime heartburn, mild arthritis. You'll sleep better in a Craftmatic adjustable bed so if you're still searching for the perfect solution to a good night's sleep call now for prices and information and then decide when you see how little they cost discover craftmatic for less up to 50 percent less than today's leading memory foam brand call 1-800-318-7903 that's 1-800-318-7903 1-800-318-7903 call now do you need a car been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit low credit no credit bankruptcy or divorce guess what today's your lucky day because now you can buy a car truck or suv just about any vehicle it's true bad credit doesn't matter no credit doesn't matter bankruptcy or divorce it just doesn't matter as a matter of fact your job is your ticket to your new vehicle we're auto credit express and we've helped thousands of people just like you Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Hey, ragweed, the fertilizer's really good over here. Ooh, <laughs> better get it before that corn does, water hemp. Hey, corn, want some phosphorus? Oops. I ate it all. <laughs> if weeds are laughing at your corn herbicide, try Acuron. It silences the toughest weeds you'll come up against. Hey, corn, sorry if I got out of line. Unlike you. Get the last laugh. Talk to your Syngenta reseller about Acuron. Hey, water hemp, you're looking kind of yellow. Always read and follow label instructions. Acuron is a restricted-use pesticide. What if you had a medical emergency away from home? What you need is Mobile Help, America's premier mobile medical alert system. Most systems only work at home, but with Mobile Help, you get help outside the home with coverage nationwide on one of the largest cellular networks at the press of a button. I press the button, and lo and behold, the emergency came within minutes. Mobile Help did save my life. No question about that. Call Mobile Help now for a free color brochure. We'll send you everything you need, including the base station, the patented mobile device, the waterproof pendant, and wrist button. You can also add the fall button that automatically detects falls and signals help. Call today and receive a risk-free 30-day trial. There's no equipment to buy and no long-term contract. For a limited time, you'll also receive a free emergency key box with your planned purchase. Remember, mobile help keeps you safe coast-to-coast. Call 800-930-6137 now for your free mobile help brochure. That's 800-930-6137. Again, 800-930-6137. Farmers are feeling the pain from President Trump's trade war. Brent Bible Farms in Lafayette, Indiana. Today we farm about 5,000 acres and raise primarily corn and soybeans. Free trade is essential to the ag economy. This is not a war that I signed up for. It's not a war that I want to be drafted for. Our farm and many others like ours will be one of the first casualties of the trade war. President Trump, stop the trade war. Paid for by Farmers for Free Trade. TariffsHurt.com. 
Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 immediately. That's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. And welcome back. A recent court ruling has put the old waters of the U.S. rule back in play for much of the country. And uh, agriculture trying to get uh, a stay, a national stay put in place as uh, efforts are underway to repeal the old rule and get a new one in place. Scott Yeager, Chief Environmental Counsel for the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, is with us. Scott, thanks for joining us. Uh, tell us about uh, the efforts to get this national stay in place. Thanks for having me, Mike. Um, so as soon as the South Carolina court issued their decision last Thursday, uh, which brought the 2015 WOTUS rule back into play for 26 states, um, NCBA and the other uh, industry groups in our litigation coalition uh quickly assessed the situation and went forward to try to overturn that ruling, that, that very bad ruling. So we are petitioning the South Carolina court to put it on hold, and we're going to appeal it and hopefully uh, overrule it. At the same time, we are uh, taking action in our case in the Southern District of Texas, asking our judge there to uh, move on our fully briefed motion there that would also fix the issue. So we're taking two different tacks at it to try to get this thing fixed. But in the meantime, um, currently the, the the 2015 rule is back in play in 26 states across the country. It shows how difficult it is to uh, get rid of the old rule as well as uh, get a new one in place. Uh, what, where are the efforts to get the new rule done? That's a great question, Mike. So about this time last year, the EPA and the Army Corps of Engineers, and those are the two agencies that implement the Clean Water Act, they issued a proposal to repeal the 2015 WOTUS rule. And that proposal, to this day, still has not been finalized. And until it is finalized, the 2015 rule remains on the books. So we expect uh, action to be happening here uh, between now and the end of the calendar year that will finalize the repeal of the 2015 rule. And at that point, it's erased from the books. It's no longer uh, anywhere that could come back and hurt us. So that's the goal we're working towards. You know, the, I said it's been about a year. That's a long time. But the reality of the situation is inside the Beltway, it takes a long time to get these type of things done because there is a whole administrative process and set of laws that the agencies have to comply with in order to have a 
uh, repeal that's going to hold up in court. So it's definitely a um, uh, kind of a legal minefield that the agencies have to um, kind of navigate in order to have a repeal at the end of the day that will hold up in court. And that's what we're working towards. And we should point out, it's not just agriculture that wants that old rule gone and a new one put in place. A lot of other uh, industries and businesses want that as well. That's right. We're, we're part of a coalition of groups that makes up about 70%, I said 70% of the GDP in this country. So from farmers and ranchers to construction um, employers to energy companies and in trade associations representing them, it's kind of across the board, this broad swath of different um, uh, groups that really uh, are a power. It's a powerhouse group, and it helps us to uh, make this play that this is a, a rule that really hurts not only farmers and ranchers, but basically anyone who has an interest in, in land ownership and, and using that land as efficiently as possible. Scott, we had been hearing about cases, issues around the country where people had been uh, really harmed by the, the rule and were trying to do all the right things and still being found in violation. This, it seems to me, these court rulings and these changes add to the confusion. Uh, are you hearing of any problems out there from this? It is definitely adding to the confusion, and um, you know we're expecting to hear about. Uh, we're expecting to hear a couple of, of bad cases here between now and, and the resolution of this issue. But right now, the the status is, you know, the law is implemented. The, the Clean Water Act is implemented by the agencies. Right, as well as citizen groups through the citizen supervision. On the agency side, you've got an administration, the Trump administration, that really is, I don't think, is going to go out there and start enforcing the 2015 rule because they want to get rid of it, and they're working towards getting rid of it. So then you take a look at, okay, well, how does that play out on the citizen group side? And you could certainly see groups like um, the Natural Resources Defense Council and Environmental Integrity Project, some of these uh, enviro, enviro groups that really supported the 2015 rule. Um, when you look at those guys, well, maybe it's more um, probable that they were going to go out there and take some enforcement action under the citizen supervision to um, to enforce the 2015 rule. Uh, so we'll see what happens. Um, so far, it, it hasn't been even a week yet, uh, so we haven't really seen the full effect of what this looks like. Uh, but we are we are girding for uh, potential issues and. We've reached out to our membership at NCBA to say, if you get uh, a government agency or a citizen group coming out to your land, telling you that you might have a 2015 WOTUS on your property, get in touch with us. Uh, it's a complicated issue, and we have people on staff that can help you navigate that. You bring up an interesting point. This administration seemingly would be less likely to uh, try to enforce the controversial aspects of the 2015 rule. Yet, on the other hand, you have those groups out there that are supporting it that would, I don't know, maybe take more legal action or, or cause more of a problem. So there are issues that could still come up to complicate this even more. That's right. And it's already a complicated situation, so we don't need any more complications to it. Uh, the sooner we can get the 2015 rule repealed and off the books, I think, the better off we'll be. Well, court cases take a while, right? So uh, we'll see how all this plays out. Are you hoping that the, uh, your actions and legal actions can be expedited? You know, one very important piece of the, the court situation is 
with uh, Justice Kavanaugh uh, potentially sitting on the bench of the Supreme Court. Um, that would be a, a huge shift in the, comp- the, the political composition of that Supreme Court bench, and it's something that we'll be supporting, uh, having uh, we support him being confirmed through the Senate so that he can actually take that seat there and, and be a member of the court. Uh, we're expecting Congress to have their first confirmation hearing on Judge Kavanaugh on yeah. September 4th. So that's coming up. And ultimately, I think at the end of the day, you, you're exactly right. All of these pieces are going to be litigated by uh, the environmental groups, and we're going to have to be there to defend these actions of the Trump administration. Right. It's ultimately More legal actions the on the way, court. it sounds like. Scott, we're out of time. Yeah, Thank you right. very much. All right. You're welcome. Scott Yeager, Chief Environmental Counsel for the National Cattlemen's Beef.